Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is your host, Mr. Brandon Wade, but you can call me B2, you can call me B Square, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but you got to make sure that you follow the rule. Now, what's the rule, y'all? I've been saying this since the first pay it forward, and I'm going to keep saying it till I don't feel like saying it no more. The rule is you can call me whatever you want to call me as long as it's nice. I want to welcome you back to your favorite show, Pay It Forward. We're getting back into the real topics. Well, I'm my hope is that we've never left. But, you know, I've always promised that every time I got on here and I learned something new and I learned something about myself or it was revealed to me something that... I would be honest in my expressing it and that I would be honest in what I'm learning right now. So, um, (sighs) so right. I talked about this, uh, I think in an earlier, uh, pay it forward. Um, and I'm talking about it, I think today, uh, about boundaries, like work around boundaries, healthy boundaries. Um, why do we need boundaries? What do boundaries actually serve? Like what's a real boundary versus just a wall or what's the two? And I remember talking about like healthy boundaries and keeping promises to yourself and stuff. And so um, that's been on my heart. And also just about, I guess, some personal realizations I've had, but I'm going to be honest with this one. I'm really excited to talk, but I really don't kind of know exactly where this is going. But I have definitely have felt on my, my heart and my spirit that I wanted to say something. And it's cool that I have this platform, you know, to be able to actually just go on and just let it fly. Whatever it is that I want to say, just go on and just say it. Let it be said and then let it be, you know. Um, I, I love doing this. But to be honest, a lot of times I don't even look at what I've said after I've said it. Like if you asked me what I said in the podcast, I probably wouldn't remember because I don't go over my own podcast unless it's usually for like quality purposes or sound purposes or something like that. I try to just leave it as real as possible, say whatever I'm going to say and be as real myself as I can, as if I was just talking to one person. So, you know, I'm grateful for everybody that listens. So, so just so check this out. Right. Um. Boundaries was not something that, again, that was taught to me. A lot of people, that's not something different. It's not some type of new thing, but boundaries was not taught to me. Um, my parents were not really good at that. Um, my mom is, is, is learning now. Uh, my dad, before he died, did not understand the concepts of boundaries at all. He did not believe anyone should say no to him if they were in his family. He did not believe that I, as his son, should really have any type of boundaries. He was like, Anything that's yours is mine. Like if 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 I say that I want to just be in your room doing whatever I want to do, I get to do that, you know, because I'm your I'm your daddy boy. Like I do whatever I want to, you know, he gave me a perception of freedom in a lot of things. But mostly it was just kind of like, yeah, no, like at any given time, I should be able to just be in your space. If I got to be over your shoulder, I should feel like I have the right to do that. 
he didn't have a sense of boundaries and he was also very authoritative. And so it, it messed up my ideas. And I, a lot of the men in my life did not teach me not one thing about boundaries, about how to be, have boundaries, about how to keep promises to yourself, about why you should even keep promises to yourself. So when I got involved with, with, with church, my first church, um, I got involved with them and it basically taught me like, well, you know, because Jesus died for you that basically you should just be open to whatever is going on. You know, you should just be open to whatever people say. Maybe people are going to say things that are going to hurt you, but you're just supposed to love them and forgive them. And that's how, you know, that Jesus is pleased with you. And I was like, all right, you know, so I tried that out and I would just feel myself just suffering on the inside. And they said, yeah, that's how you know you were Christian is that you're suffering on the inside for others. And yeah, that went well until, you know, my first um, experience where I had. And I'm sure that over time, as I look at it as more of a rational adult, that it was probably uh, not personal and it probably was a miscommunication. But I ain't going to hold you. This still hurts to this day. And, uh, you know, I had a bad breakup with um, an ex way back. I mean, this is, I'm, oh, man, um, 31 now. And that was back when I was like 21. But I can still remember what took place in that time. And this time it wasn't so much about that relationship, but it was about the church that I was in. And, you know, I had always thought that, you know, they would, you know, come and support and look out for me when they saw that this happened. And, you know, they found out about everything that was going on. And it had just genuinely felt like once they found out, they turned kind of a blind eye to it. They were just kind of like, hey, you know, stuff happens. And they just kind of shrugged their shoulders and just kind of let it be. And as long as I was going to church, you know, everybody was just like, okay, so when are you doing your next thing? When are you doing the next thing? You know, don't tell me you're going to stop doing this because of what you saw and what happened to you. And I can remember being, feel like I was being met with a lot of callousness, a lot of just being ignored, you know, being forgotten. And I was like, bro, what is wrong with them? And then I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, what's wrong? You know, and so I didn't understand the idea of keeping promises to yourself or boundaries or anything like that, because the church I was in did not teach me that. And we would say, well, that goes against, you know, the teachings of the Bible, but I don't know. And I I honestly can't say whether it does or doesn't. Um, I just want to speak this for anybody that is learning how to be true givers and to even be those who want to be able to give over abundantly. The first rule of giving even sacrificing is that you cannot give what you don't have. And it's kind of incontextual or it goes against current context is that we're taught to be givers, give, give until you have nothing left and then give some more. And that's how you know that you are a good person or a righteous person or whatever. And ain't none of that really true because you can't give what you don't have. If someone asks you for a hundred dollars and you don't have a hundred dollars and you cannot get a hundred dollars, then you cannot give them a hundred dollars. Now, I guess you could say the philosophy is, well, you'd go and borrow it and give it to them and you'd put yourself in debt so that person could be blessed. And sure, sacrificially, maybe that looks great on paper, but we were also told, you know, if you're a Christian that you should be good stewards over what you have. And, there's a lot there that I that I I feel like I, I wanted to, to to cover on. Um, uh, 
this is good. But I don't know how honest it is. What I'm talking about right now doesn't really cost me any vulnerability. I sound good. But I don't I don't think it's real. And I promised myself, I promised this podcast, I promised everybody that I'd be a part of that I was going to be real. Not so much whether I was going to be worried about right or wrong, but that I was going to be authentic. And what I was talking about just then, that ain't really, that's not really authentic to me. That's me trying to reframe fears and concerns in which I have in a way that sounds like I don't feel scared. And the reality is, is that I have felt and felt very, very scared in the time in which I felt abandoned by those 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 people in my church. I felt that there was something wrong with me. I felt that I had had offended somebody or fallen short, and they were using that as an opportunity to punish me because that's what I knew from my dad. And... I've tried to find ways to justify how I feel. And I think that that's the first part of honoring yourself is that your feelings don't need justification. Like you don't need to justify why you feel something. If you feel scared, then that's it. You feel scared. If you feel sad, then that's it. You feel sad. If you feel ecstatic, then that's it. You feel ecstatic. If you feel content, then that's it. You feel content. Feelings don't need an explanation. They don't they don't need a description. They don't need an explanation. They just need to be acknowledged and seen and heard. I guess the the hard part about looking at this podcast and looking at these things is that when I see things, I feel like my job is to combat them. And that's not true. Because you can't I can't keep promises for others and being a being somebody that is always identified as a fixer. I always felt like if you fix something, then you can be safe in that environment. And that's not what makes a person safe. Being safe is just being safe. Being whole is just being whole. And I feel scared. I still feel shame. I still wonder 
if that's how God thinks of me when he looks at me. If that's the same type of eye that he looks at me with, the eye that I remember my dad always looking at me with, this eye that was sometimes disdainful at best and scornful at worst. Not really sure whether you are on good or bad terms with that person because you couldn't tell by their energy. You couldn't tell by what they did. You couldn't tell because they didn't give you a healthy structure. They only this the structure was dictated upon what they decided it was going to be. So if they decided that it was wrong, then it was. And if they decided in the next hour that it was right, then it was. And, you know, my dad had his own sense of morality and he kind of just picked and choosed, chose when that applied. And I find myself lonely and feeling longing. I would always, and I've done so for a long time, fantasize about people that would be able to save me from those things. Heroes that would come, whether they were men or women. And whenever I had a crush or I liked somebody, I would always kind of project that fantasy on them. Like, this can be the one. This can be the person that comes in and saves me. This person is helping me feel good about myself. They can they can save me. And so when I came to church and I finally, you know, heard about, you know, the gospel and Jesus, I was like, oh, fantastic. That's really all I'm looking for is Jesus. And then it, that idolatry kind of passed over to the pastor. So I was like, oh, well, yeah, he can, he can guide me in where I need to go. The way I always survived was like, you find the smartest and most capable person you can find that's most confident and most authoritative and just copy everything they do. And if you please them and they're doing it right, then you're doing it right too. So don't try to figure it out yourself. Find somebody better at you or smarter than you and copy them. That's kind of just how I managed to do it a lot of times. You know, that's how I survived a lot of people that, as I realize now, were very much emotionally mature, immature people. They were may, might have been spiritually mature, but they were very much emotionally immature. Is you find ways to be pleasing to them. You find out how to maneuver in those environments. And once you find out how to do that, then you can so, sort of carve yourself a space as long as people see what they need to see. And you want to know something? That's exhausting. I've done that for 28 years of my life up to, you know, I'm 31 now, but I've done that most of my life. And it's exhausting to not be able to not feel safe to take up space in anything, in relationships, in friendships. It's exhausting to feel like you cannot say the wrong, the 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 incorrect, the un- misunderstood thing and just be allowed to exist like how many times do we say like can i rock bro and the answer is no they're like no you can't you can't where is our grace and i know where it is it's lost 
He don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. Because I was not taught that. And I longed for somebody to say, all right, you've done enough. Now let me take it from here. You just do all the things that I need you to do. And I'll give you the answer. My child has never given up on that fantasy, that dream that there's something or somebody out there that's like, I can guide you. And I don't even know if it's so much that I wanted to just be guided, but maybe it's just that I wanted to be parented. And I've, I've hated parenting my parents. And that's probably the biggest wound that most of us deal with is that we've had to parent our parents a lot of times. That your parent didn't know how to handle an emotional situation. And so they leaned on their child for advice, for wisdom. And the child, wanting to make sure that they were in a safe environment, stepped up to the plate. Even though they were not supposed to. And we oftentimes say, but that's pleasing, but it isn't. That stuff does scar, that stuff scars people causes there to be emotional immaturity where there wouldn't be we praise our kids for not being kids you know kids run around they get into mischief they 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 knock things over they 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 do not what they're they do against what they're told they want to just see what works they ask why all the time and we get mad at our kids for being kids and we applaud kids that act like little adults not realizing that the child is more than likely acting like an adult because the child does not feel safe I've struggled, man, with resentment towards the gifts and things that I've had, that some of the talents I've had, my gift for language and stuff. I have a lot of people that have patted me on the back and say, man, I don't know how you're able to communicate like this. I said, yeah, that would be the 28 years of trauma and navigating emotionally immature people whom I still feel resentment towards. Because underneath that resentment is longing. These feelings all tell us things. Whether we want to acknowledge that they're telling us or not, they tell us things. And then if we don't listen to our feelings, we don't listen to our bodies. And if we don't listen to our bodies, then we ignore them when other things come up. I want to make something clear. I am not talking about your feelings being the ruler of your life. I am not talking about the feelings, be your feelings being the, the thing that masters you on a day-to-day basis. I am talking about having an ear to what your feelings and your body are telling you because they're only telling you things that will keep you alive and teach you how to live. When we survive, we cannot focus on our, our, our emotional state, so we shove it down. So the way, my way of surviving my parents, my dad, was to fantasize. When my dad would be yelling and cussing at me and, 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 and shouting at me, I would be fantasizing about 
a girl or a situation that could take me away from this place. And my memories and imagination would be so vivid that it was almost like I wasn't even there. I could feel the pain, the shame, the rage and the hate, but it would just be underneath the surface. It'd be blunted by this feeling of passivity. And then if I ate something real cool, it'd be even better. I'd be in, I'd be in a whole nother world. I could literally cause myself to disappear into a whole nother plane and not even realize three or four hours had passed. I could teach myself how to, 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 to listen and, 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 and be, and be in this other world. But I, I could not tolerate that pain because it was either do that for me or snap and, and, and try to hurt my dad because he just wouldn't stop. And I wish that I had had somebody that could have taught me how to communicate with my dad in a way that would have respected him more and given my dad the chance that he really wanted, which was to feel that he wasn't responsible for every single thing that was going on in life. And this is where boundaries come in. We don't think about that, especially if you're a Christian, especially if you're taught against that. You think boundaries are the worst thing that you can have. You know, boundaries are a terrible idea, you know, because that goes against God's principle. God gave everything. So who are you to not give everything you have? And and, 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 and that is the the right spirit. But it, 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 it feels as if it misses the point. That there's nothing to be given that is already not that that doesn't already have something. So look, there were times that I may have needed to be communicate with my dad and tell my dad and express to my dad how much I loved him and express that I was going to work on myself and the things in which God was doing with me. And I couldn't, I said, no, I couldn't say no. I always felt like I could never say no to my dad, but I understand now where the ability to say yes and say no comes from. It comes from the ability that God granted all of us when we were created, which is the ability of free will, the ability to make choices, the ability to choose left or right, the ability to choose up or down. That's the way in which it was granted to us. And God did not grant that to us so we would never make choices. And if your choice is always yes, then you're not making a choice. So I started learning about honoring promises to myself after my dad died and after my spiritual mentor died. These were people that as much as I know they loved me, they did not teach me. They could not teach me how to make my own choices because they themselves did not have a sense of boundary and they couldn't make their own choices. And that still hurts. And I still feel that resentment, that that self-loathing a lot of times that comes with being a man that's like, why couldn't you understand So what does it cost to make a choice? I would even go as far as to say in some of my recent experiences, making a choice can be almost as if it is almost akin to, if not denying yourself. Because, you know, we, uh, you know, if you're a Christian, you hear about in the Bible all the time, say, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And we always think of that in certain contexts. But, you know, denying yourself is making choices that will benefit you against the patterns of program thinking that you have and honoring promises to yourself that are important. So maybe your body needs some water, but you want to drink soda. 
and you know that your body needs some water, but you want to drink soda. To make a conscious choice to honor the promise that you made to yourself to drink water and drink water instead of drinking soda is a form of self-denial. And we don't think of it like that a lot of times. Um, To work out because it's something that causes your body to feel better is a form of self-denial when you know that maybe you just wanted to do something else. It's a form of self-denial to honor promises that you make to yourself, to keep commitments to yourself. It also strengthens the word that you're able to give other people because you know that you can trust your own self to keep promises. So then you can trust yourself to keep promises to others. We have more to give when we have more to give. The less we have to give, the less we can give. So, there is an element, I believe, of self-sacrifice that, that goes into some of the things you, you may do in life, whether you're a Christian or not. But you won't gain anything truly. There will be no fruit from what it comes of it unless we are willing to have boundaries. And those boundaries start with us. So maybe I couldn't tell my dad back then, no, but maybe I could tell myself yes to certain things. You know, There are things that my dad and my mom did not need permission for me to do. I don't need their permission to be kind to them. I don't need their permission to forgive them. I don't need their permission to make plans and do things. And a lot of us have grown up in environments where it's like we really needed our parents' permission to do the slightest thing. There were times where I couldn't even leave the room without my dad saying, my dad would say, boy, where are you going? And that wasn't when I was just a little child. I was, that was in my twenties Dad, my dad was saying, would say, well, boy, where are you going? You know, I I didn't tell you you could leave yet. And it got to a certain point where I would just leave. Because I had to, or I would tell my dad, hey, dad, I love you, but I'm going to, I'm going to walk out now. I just wanted to check on you. And I ended up having to parent my dad and I still feel resentful about that. I had to be the one to rationalize things for my dad and, 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 and be a parent and be an even killed voice. When I needed my dad to be that even killed voice, I needed my dad to be the one to tell me. It's going to be all right, boy, it's going to be all right, son. And there were times he did. And there were a lot of times he didn't. So many of us. Are still kids on the inside. Don't matter how old we look on the outside, we still kids. I see it in some of my leaders. I see it in some of my friends. I see it in some of the pastors out there, some of the people. I see it in a lot of us out there, still kids, just older in body, maybe more mature in spirit, but the mind, the heart, still eight, still seven. It just doesn't sound that way. That's why I always encourage people, man, don't be moved by just somebody's gift. Because somebody's gift doesn't necessarily say anything about them other than that they're gifted. That doesn't mean that they are a person of integrity. It doesn't mean that they're a person of of, of security. It just simply means that they're a person that is gifted. And a gift uh, comes from God and it goes back to God when that person dies. So what I woke up today and did was, you know, I woke up and I laid for a while and I You know, I have a a little ritual that I do when I get up and I was just sitting there and I said, all right, 
there's a lot of things I can do. And I thought about recording earlier and I was like, I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. And I sat with myself and I said, I'm not in a rush. There's nowhere I need to rush right now. What is it that I really need? And I just felt as I sat there, God spoke to me and said, go, go for a walk. And even before I did that, I said, let me think if this is something I genuinely want to do. Because I have the choice whether I receive or or reject whatever it is that God tells me. I have the choice. And the most important part that I think I'm trying to say is that we have the choice to do things. And one of the most big, the biggest crimes that we experience is feeling and being robbed of choices and the ability to make choices, whether those choices bring positive consequences or painful consequences or no consequences. We get robbed of our, our, our attempts to make choices by those who have said, I know better than you. And maybe they do. But free will was given to us just as it was to them. So it's good that you have someone around you that can advise you on choices, that can advise you on choices you can make that are good or healthy and choices that you can make that are not so good and not so healthy. It's more important that we understand that life and death, blessings and curses are choices. So I sat with myself and I said, I, I said, but I'm not going to say yes to this and just do it. Just because I feel I, I heard the spirit of God tell me to do it. I'm going to honor this choice. So then when I make this choice, it's going to be because I chose to make it. Not because it was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, but because I chose to make it. And if I choose not to do that, then I'm choosing not to do that. That either way, it'll be a choice that was honest and a choice that I made. And I did. I chose to go and get up. And take a walk. And I genuinely enjoy doing so. And there's something to be said about making choices and honoring promises for yourself. There's something to be said there about doing so. Me doing this recording is me honoring a promise to myself. Me choosing to be real in this moment and switching up is me honoring my promise to myself. And weirdly enough, sometimes honoring promises to yourself is a form of self-denial. Because maybe you wanted to sink into the pattern of program thinking that you knew already. Like, okay, maybe I'll play my game for a while. Or maybe I'll do this. And maybe I'll do that. And maybe that's not really what you genuinely want to do. The Bible also says a man plots his way, but the Lord orders his steps. So maybe I plotted my way, but maybe that wasn't the step that God wanted me to take. And he says, all right, take this step instead. And I successfully was able to keep some small promises to myself today that were just promises I made to myself. And I don't think we realize sometimes how much it hurts, even to us. A little part of us hurts on the inside every time we say we're going to do something. And we get ourselves excited about it and then we maybe just forget and don't do it. A little part of us hurts. A little part of us goes, wow, I really I'm, I'm really not that important. Or we're going to do something and someone else comes up with an idea and we immediately abandon what we're doing to to go be in their their idea. A part of us says, I really guess I'm not that important. 
And the reason I don't think we're able to give grace to others is because we don't give that grace to ourselves. And and, and even deeper than that, I don't think we give that grace to others because we don't give that grace to ourselves because we don't even allow that grace to be given to us. And so I know right now I've been speaking a lot about the Bible and the Christians and stuff like that. I just felt it was on my heart. And I just want to make sure that everyone understands that I don't judge nobody based off their religion or whatever they believe, where they believe in themselves, the human spirit, where you believe in the source and universe. I don't judge nobody off of what they believe. This is just simply my belief. And right now I felt a just a prompting to kind of speak to those that are struggling maybe with their faith as Christians. Because these are things that I don't feel that we need to talk about more in the Christian church. Weirdly enough, keeping promises to myself has not only helped my self-esteem, but has helped my God esteem as well. Has helped the part of me that feels like I can go and seek out God, not because I'm any better than I already was, but just simply because I'm honoring who I was made to be. Like, I'm I'm trying to honor that. And when we honor promises to ourselves, like maybe you don't feel like taking a shower today, but you know that your body really wants and desires a shower. So you choose to do so. And when we allow our feelings to be there, then our feelings stop becoming our masters. And what you generally have is people that have their feelings as their master. And they say that they don't. They say they've mastered their feelings. And I say, no, you haven't. You've buried your feelings. You've ignored your feelings, and by doing so, you've made your feelings your master. This is why when there's some people that get angry and they lash out and they punch somebody and they scream and yell and they go into rage fits because they've buried their feelings and they've ignored their feelings and they call that mastery and it isn't mastery. Mastery is saying, I allow you to exist and you're only able to do what I tell you to because I allow you to exist. So I allow my feelings to exist. Telling something it doesn't exist does not make you its master. It makes you its denier. And my dad was a master. My dad was a pretty big master at, at, at that. You know, he could deny his feelings and say, oh, I don't care. I don't care. And you would know that he was upset. And I had a lot of men that taught me that. To deny your feelings. Hey, that's how you toughen up. You know, boy, you got to be tough. Got to be strong. You know, you and, and my dad was not concerned about my thriving as a living person. He was concerned about my survival, as many of our parents are. They're concerned about our survival. They say, I want to make sure that you can take and survive the worst this world got to throw at you. And so I know my dad did not mean harm. I know that he meant to bless me and to enable me to not be destroyed by the things I saw in the world. And he did a good job at that. And I'm just saying for anybody else that has been expanding in the way of learning how to live, part of living is honoring promises to yourself. And it seems pointless to do so until we start doing it. So maybe you can't change the way the behavior that somebody else is treating, but we can always start changing our behavior towards ourselves. So getting rest or saying, I'm going to lay down today as a choice that I'm making for myself instead of, you know, doing whatever. And maybe if you do make the opposite choice that you say, I'm willing to make this choice and say that this is a choice in which I made. It's a valuable thing to take responsibility for your own actions. It's a powerful thing to take responsibility for your own actions and you will affect everyone around you. 
That's what enables us the ability to say no honestly and the ability to say yes generously. That's what enables us to do that is when we know that we can say no and we know that we will say no and we can trust ourselves to sit with uncomfortable feelings that come with saying no sometimes. We know that when we say yes, that yes is 120% honest. We know that that yes is genuine. We know that that yes is not something that we can ever force somebody, we can ever say somebody else made us do. And look at how, and, and I just say this, look at how quickly oftentimes we say no to something or we say, you made me do it. Hey, you made me feel this way. You shouldn't have made me mad. Well, no one actually made you mad. Somebody did something and you chose to act on your feelings. There's nothing wrong with feeling mad, but being that way. And man, you say, look what you made me do. Like when people, you have abusers in relationships, say, look what you made me do. And that's not true. They, you didn't make anyone, they didn't make anyone do that. That's typically how we're taught is that if someone makes you do it, you, they're, they're the reason why you did something and they may not be the reason why you did anything. The way I feel that we discern those things is by honoring those small promises to ourselves, by teaching ourselves that we in ourselves can be trusted. And then we become open to the idea that God himself is trustworthy because God ain't never stopped being trustworthy. It's that we've learned through experiences that we cannot be trusted. And we think if we can't be trusted, then how can God be trusted? So I try to keep at least two or three promises to myself each day and go like, all right, so this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I celebrate each one of those promises. Each time I keep a promise to myself, I celebrate it. Each time, even if it's a small celebration, like good job, you know, like I celebrate it because it teaches me that I can be trusted. And so the mistrust oftentimes doesn't start from what we see in others, but what we see in us and maybe what we've seen previously in our families. So the more we learn to trust that we will keep promises to ourselves, the more we are able to discern and trust what God is telling us and trust what other and, and, and know when we are going to say no. Because what if you just knew that you could say no, whether you were tempted to say yes or not? You just What if you just knew that once you decided that you were going to say no, then nothing could sway you from that? There would be a sense of safety there. It's mostly not so much that we, we're afraid of saying no. It's that we're afraid of the consequences that come within our own bodies and emotions when we do say those things. And oftentimes we would rather say a lying yes than an honest no. So this is a part of being honest and a part of being real is that we have to be that way with ourselves. Sometimes we have an image of ourselves that we're like, hey, I really don't want to let that image down. I don't want to be less than what I imagine myself to be. And sometimes I just say it's okay to let that image down, to not be who you imagined yourself to be. Because really, I think in God, we're greater than that. 
So, I can say that I wanted to talk about boundaries, and I didn't particularly think it would go this way, but I'm choosing to honor this choice and where it goes. Sometimes I think about whether what I say will impact people or whether it will be honest or whether, you know, people will like what I had to say. And that misses the point of pay it forward. Pay it forward is me being my most authentic self, learning lessons from my my walk spiritually and my walk emotionally and my walk in whatever practical thing I'm dealing with and paying it forward as a gift to anybody that listens. It'd be dishonest of me to not do that. And it's a promise I've made to myself. So I'm just, I'm mirroring and I'm going to be that an example with that about how to keep promises to yourself. It's not so much about just honoring every single commitment that you have, but understanding the value of your own promise. Okay. I'm going to go and get up and I'm going to do this. And then you don't do it. It can, it, it breeds shame within us. So then when it comes to honor bigger promises to yourself, we also find ourselves falling short. However, if you say it and then you say, you know what, you start with the the, the way I learned. And there's one woman that teaches really well on this. um, One of her teachings, uh, the holistic psychologist. I don't necessarily follow everything that she does. But one thing that I do like that she does is she says you find one small thing. If and if it's just drinking a glass of water, even if it's just writing something down in a notepad or something like that. And you, 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 you focus all your energy on honoring that one promise and you celebrate that promise. You celebrate yourself for honoring that promise because that's how we start to reparent ourselves. We start to allow ourselves to show up for ourselves, which enables us to better show up for others. So wouldn't we want an environment, especially if you're a believer, Especially if you're a Christian or whatever you are, would not you want a situation in which people know that they can trust what it is that you tell them? Because they know that when you've given your word on something, you will keep it. They know that when you say yes to something, that you're saying yes enthusiastically. Even if it's something that one would consider unpleasant. If you're saying yes to it enthusiastically, they know that your yes is honest. But they, 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 people will not know that and they will struggle with that. And oftentimes we say, well, you should just say yes regardless. But if you're saying yes is betraying yourself, that's not always the same as denying yourself. So I just wanted to be that encouragement right now. I really just felt like this one was more for some, some, some Christians that are out there. But generally, this is for anyone that's listening. Being somebody that is honestly willing to honor your promises to yourself is going to go way farther than being somebody who fixes everything for everybody else and leaves yourself broken. Yeah, everybody else will be happy and you will be miserable and you will not know where it is to draw the line. And people say, well, those are just really nice people. Those are just really thoughtful people. But they're not, actually. In pretty much every case, I can say that most of the time, in my experience, my pe- I've, I've always been selfish doing that. I was not thinking of that person's well-being. Even if I was, I was more concerned about whether that person liked me or not, not what they were experiencing. You can give unselfishly when you are honoring promises to yourself. But the more selfless you are in certain human ways, the more selfish you can start to become. Because you, you, you're you giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And everybody says, man, that person's a humanitarian. That person is always giving. And the resentment can build. You can start to hate people. 
And it's just simply because we don't oftentimes know where to draw the line. Because as kids, it's important for us to be taught that. And this is what I believe this being fixed right now is that people are being taught about the value of healthy boundaries and healthy perceptions of ourselves and of others. Because pretty much if somebody violates your space, it's never personal. That doesn't mean, however, you have to wait for somebody to give permission to say to say no to yourself or say yes to yourself. So if you can say yes and no to yourself, then you can say yes and no to others. And your yes it will be honest, and so will your no. And even the Bible does say, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Don't make elaborate promises. Just say yes or say no. And the only way we can do that is by being willing to make choices and be responsible for them. And the only way I believe we can do that is by honoring the promises we make to ourselves. So that's my prayer for everybody, right? I'm praying that everybody under the sound of my voice is going to start to understand the value of keeping those small promises you make to yourself, keeping those little dinner dates and things that you make to yourself, keeping those things that you said to yourself. I'm going to do that. And if you don't do that, be willing to honor that choice and say, you know what? I chose not to do that and I'm going to choose differently tomorrow. I speak right now that we will even have a greater understanding of spiritual things the more we come into an understanding of those natural things as well i thank you for the alignment god i just thank you for these things right now in jesus name amen all right i love y'all a lot man and i thank y'all for listening to me on my journey you know my journey has taken me in a lot of places i've gone through a lot of grief you know i've i feel that i've you know had some reconnection with god and some of my spirituality you know i am learning a lot and at the end of the day uh, my whole goal is to try to be um, not the person that I want to be or need to be, but the person that I am and continue to just grow with the grace and ease that's attached to that. Y'all So, um, y'all value, y'all value y'all, man. I value your time. I value you guys listening to me and hearing what I have to say. It really means a lot that, you know, people are listening to me. So, I love y'all, man, and just continue as much as you are able to in honoring the promise of yourself that if God grants you another day, take the time to honor promises that are made to yourself, and you might see God show up in some ways that maybe you didn't expect, spiritual or not. Yeah, I love y'all, man. So I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Peace.